Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. And I just remember this Bible verse that I came across. It said, um, it was talking about Jesus and saying um, that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. And knowing that he understood that, knowing that he knows what it feels like, to be on the outside he knows what it's like to be rejected and he knows he knows what it's like to have the people who you grew up with say you're not welcome here anymore and even though I never I never had that you're not welcome here anymore or anything like that it's dramatic um just knowing that he he knows how that feels it, it allows me to to rest in him in a very very real way what can I do? All the lines they are blurring Cause I believe in love I believe in love I believe in I believe in I believe in love Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm your host, John Williamson, and we are back again uh, to talk uh, once again, about prayer. And there are a lot of books coming out this spring, uh, late winter, early spring, whatever this is right now, uh, on this topic. And so, um, there must be a lot of reasons to uh, to need to pray, uh, apparently. <laughs> so, I don't know if that's residual uh, leftover from 2020 or bleeding into 2021 or what, but there's a lot of uh, very interesting books, um, all slightly different from each other, just in terms of the approach to the topic uh, and even the, the approach to um, how to pray. And so, like, if you listen to our episode with Sarah Bessie, uh, a little while back, uh, her approach in the book was a collection uh, by a bunch of really um, amazing women who kind of, again, all sort of came about it a different way or from a different perspective, you know, somewhere um, almost like sermons, some were, you know, more of the traditional prayer that you kind of think about when you think about, you know, prayers in the church. Um, some were, you know, very freestyle. And so, all that to say, there's there's not necessarily a right way to do it. There's a lot of different ways to approach prayer. And so, this book was very cool. And um, I got a copy of it and blew through it and just loved it. There are moments in this book that are light and funny. There are moments that are um, a little more personal and um, things you can identify with and, and are almost like just raw and gut-wrenching and, and, and sad. And so, there's a lot of different places that this, this book takes you. Um, and it's by an author who has some other books out, a lot of stuff on parenting. Uh, but 
you may know this individual uh, for her social media feed, The Honest Toddler. So uh, Bumi Laditan uh, was kind enough to uh, come on the podcast, come on the show and talk about uh, her latest book uh, called Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens. And they're all written kind of in in this form where it's almost uh, a letter, you know, from her uh, to God, and she even signs off on on each of them, and um, it's just brilliant. It's absolutely brilliant. So, highly recommend the book. Go out and and check it out. Um, we had a great chat on the show, um, and so hopefully you guys enjoy that. So, before we get to that, though. General housekeeping things. Uh, obviously, the musical guest. Uh, each, if you're new to this podcast uh, and you have listened to more than one episode, you may have noticed that we use different artists on every single episode. So we accidentally, <laughs> accidentally started that uh, in year one of the podcast five years ago. Um, I think, if memory serves, there was a band that we wanted to talk to. And they, they were one of those bands who just are very private and, and don't really do interviews, uh, but were very nice and, and said, yeah, you're more than welcome to use our music. And so we used it on one episode. We had some some kind of theme music that we had created by some musician friends of ours. It was very cool uh, that we were using up until that point. And then we ended up using this band's music um, as kind of uh, bumper music and intro and outro music, and people liked it. And so we just kind of kept it going. <laughs> and so part of my job is to reach out to bands and artists and uh, ask for permission to use their, and feature their music. And and so along with that, we just asked that if you could, uh, if you feel so inclined uh, and you have the means and you really enjoyed the music, uh, go out and support the artist. Um, they are kind enough to let us use their their music for the episodes. Um, and uh, as always, we update our Spotify playlist. So if you go to Spotify and uh, search our name, Natalie, not only will you find our podcast on there, but you will find our Spotify playlist that we update uh, with each new episode. So the artist this week is James Levy, uh, who's got some new tunes out. Very cool artist, uh, very unique voice. Um, I think you'll, I think you'll like it. Uh, you heard a little bit in the intro there, and so uh, we'll feature some more uh, songs throughout the episode. So, uh, so go out and support him. Uh, also. If you want to keep up on top of what we're up to, if you go to www.thedeconstructionist.com, that's our website. Uh, thank you to Ryan uh, for making it look pretty because it, it didn't always look pretty. It looked very sad, and, and Ryan does this for a living. And so uh, Ryan's name is in the, uh, uh, the show notes if you need some web work done. Uh, cannot recommend him highly enough. He uh, made it made us look like we actually halfway know what we're doing. So, uh, but if you go to our website, you can link to our social media on there. You can read our blog. Uh, you can link to our web store where we've got all sorts of cool T-shirts, uh, pint glasses, coffee mugs, all sorts of fun stuff. I'll even throw in stickers for you. So think about it. Um, what else? What else? What else? Ah, Patreon. Yes, we have a Patreon campaign. If you uh, uh, would like to support us there. Lots of different packages, including our book of the month club. Um, otherwise, yes, yeah, so follow us on social media. Say hi. Uh, the easiest way to support us uh, right now is just to go to iTunes and leave us a nice five star review. That helps us get exposure. And ultimately, just you know, if you if you have a friend or family member who you think this might be beneficial, um, you know, just just tell somebody. You know, that's the uh, the the biggest way that we've gotten our name out there and and gotten our podcast in front of. 
uh, new listeners is just through word of mouth. So we appreciate uh, all the love and all the support. Thank you guys so much. Hopefully you're all hanging in there. Uh, hopefully you're all considering getting vaccinated as the vaccine becomes available or vaccines, I should say. At this point, Johnson & Johnson just got theirs approved. And so um, this will be a fun time capsule, right? When we all listen back and we're like, what? You know, and hopefully we don't have to go through this again. Uh, you know, this has been quite the, uh, quite the adventure. So I know if you're like me and you're an extrovert, uh, I don't have to go out all the time, but all I want to do right now is go out and hug people and have a beer with somebody and, you know, all the things, ride a roller coaster, all the things I can't do. Uh, right now. And, you know, take my daughter uh, to, to COSI. If you're from Columbus, we have an amazing science center here. That's very hands-on and probably the worst place in a pandemic to go because it involves touching everything. So, uh, and it's usually packed, but anyway, uh, shout out to COSI. Anyway, um, with that uh, being said, uh, thank you again for all the support. Uh, hang in there and uh, we'll all get through this together. But without further ado, Boomy, Freaking Lottie Don. I feel my youth has come again. I feel my youth has come again. And it's here to stay. Throw away my heart. Throw away my heart. Throw All right. Welcome to the Deconstructionist Podcast. I'm so excited uh, to have an author on to talk about a topic that we really haven't covered much, and it's the topic of prayer. So, Boomi, thank you so much for coming on and talking about your new book. Thank you for having me. I'm happy to be here. Absolutely. I um, I saw you on the Today Show. Um, your, your publicist uh, mentioned that you had been on, and so I, I checked it out. And uh, you have such a cool backstory. And so uh, oh. one of the things we have people on who have never been on before that we that we kind of start off with is kind of talking about uh, your background. So, uh, and you have a really cool story. So, what t- tell people a little bit about your background um, in, in the sense, uh, you know, were you raised particularly religious, or you know, what was that like? Well, I was raised in a, a pretty strict. Um, Christian home, Nigerian Christian. My parents are are immigrants. I was the first one born in the in the states in North America in my family, and um, so my older brother was born in Nigeria. So they came here um, so that my dad could. My dad was going to university um, for his for postgraduate work, and so they didn't have much money at all. They didn't know people, and um, we really struggled financially. Just is very difficult for them to make it when my dad was in school and then my mom went back to school. Um, and so we grew up in a home that was very religious, but I didn't connect to the faith that I didn't connect to the religion. It just felt like part of our culture, um, more than something that we do individually or believe individually as part of the culture. And, I didn't take to it. I ended up, I left home at, at uh, 16 because the, the home was so like fraught with, with poverty and with, with poverty comes anger, depression. So my parents were having a lot of issues. I just, I left home at 16 and, and was on my own. Um, and I ended up marrying my high school sweetheart, um, in my really early twenties, um, who happened to be Jewish. His family didn't, didn't force or require me to convert to Judaism. So when I started, I started studying, I read Elie Wiesel's, uh, night and I read a trial of God and 
I don't know, something just clicked. I just felt like I was coming home. It just made sense. It just, I just felt like these people, these people who had gone through so much, gone through so much with God, um, and still held on to their faith. It just really, and to, to, and to who they are really resonated with me. Um, and so then we, so I, I became a Jewish wife and mother and practice and, and we were almost going to live in, move to this Orthodox community too. We, we were in an Orthodox community and a kind of conservative community. Um, conservative in Judaism doesn't mean conservative politically. It means conservative in terms of, um, um, religious observance. And so, um, and so we ended up moving to Montreal and shortly after that, our marriage broke up and I was kind of at this really weird crossroads because my faith was tied so much to my marriage. So, um, I didn't want, I just was tired of kind of doing what, what I felt like I had to do in a sense. I don't know. I, 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 I was on my own. I was my own person now. And it was almost kind of painful to, to keep practicing. Although I did because our, our children, you know, are, are very, very much Jewish. My oldest daughter just had her bat mitzvah last year, but I, I kind of, I really started to wander and, um, I wandered everywhere from, um, pagan occult. Um, I tried everything, different faiths. Uh, I tried everything and, it got dark pretty quickly. I know a lot of people are very into things like that and I'm not trying to criticize, criticize your life. Just for me, it got dark yeah. and kind of scary pretty fast. <laughs> um, and I just found myself at rock bottom in terms of, I don't know, my life just felt like it was spiraling and it was, it was spiraling. And I went to the synagogue, the synagogue that was close to one we used to go to all the, the many synagogues in Montreal are, there's this big concentration of them, um, in what's called, um, in NDG and this neighborhood. And so I went there at night, it was Friday night after Shabbat services had ended. So nobody was there. And I just went in front of the Torah and just kind of told God, you know, I don't know how to, I can't, manage my life anymore. I can't do it. I need your guidance. You know, I, I want your help kind of a thing. And, um, from then on, the first thing he kind of put in my head was remembering these vows that I had made, um, at my conversion ceremony when I was holding the Torah. And so I returned to return to my faith, returned to Judaism. Um, but I still felt like there was something calling me just something that was missing. And long story short, that, that ended up being Jesus, Yeshua, we call him in our house. We have some other friends or families who are Jewish who believe that, that Jesus was the, the Messiah. And it's, it kind of puts you on the outside of the Jewish community. Yeah, I can the imagine. The mainstream Jewish community a bit. It's hard. I, I know a lot of people um, who are listening right now are probably like, wait, what? They're, they're, that exists? Wait, I know. Yeah, talk about that because there's probably a lot of very confused people listening right now in their cars or wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, and there's different, there's different groups. So you've got like, you've got like Christian people who appreciate Judaism and they're kind of evangelical toward you got that. We don't really fall in that category. You have um, Jewish people who have converted to Christianity and then leave all Judaism behind. We're not really that. Um, We're just and it's, it's funny, even, even my ex, he, he independently began to, yeah, that's, that's for him to tell. But, um, so 
we just kind of believed that that he was the the Messiah that fulfilled all, fulfilled all of you know like Isaiah fifty three and 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 the parts of Daniel and um, even in Psalms the prophecies and there's there are more and more of us there are a lot even in Israel there there's so many and they kind of bump heads with you know mainstream um, Jewish people who feel very offended by the concept which I completely understand you know I, I understand because I would have thought it was crazy too I'd heard about it I, I'd even had been to messianic like synagogues in LA before when we were trying to figure out how we were going to raise our family we thought okay maybe if we mix it and I ended up thinking that they were crazy I ended up thinking I don't want to do this I don't want to raise my kids in this and then when we moved to Montreal we just went to mainstream synagogue so (laughs) all these years later I find myself there again and it's it's a weird walk because you know, at one point I thought, okay, maybe we should go to church. My kids had never been really in church and they didn't feel comfortable in church. They had, they had um, Jesus in common, but they were more familiar with, with Jewish things. Um, but then when we go to, when, you know, when it comes time to go to synagogue and I didn't know if I should enroll them in, in Jewish day school, because what happens when, when the teacher says, you know, and then we're waiting for Mashiach and they go, oh, he already came, Jesus, you know, I don't want that phone call. I don't want it. So I didn't sign them up for, for Jewish school, but we do go to, we do go to events. We go to Jewish events my, and they participate in Jewish life, but it's a, it's a delicate walk. Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. I remember the first time I read about that concept and I'm like, wait, what, what that exists? That's a thing. Oh yeah. It's big too. It's really big. Like Purim is coming up this holiday called Purim, mm-hmm. um, that celebrates, uh, the book of Esther, the life of Esther. Yeah. And, um, there's, you know, cause everything's online now. There's, um, this big, this big messianic Jewish wide, um, kind of Purim festival online. And yeah, there's, there's so cool. all kinds of stuff. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I think um, just in the last you know handful of years, I, I've always said I think. <clears throat> excuse me, losing my voice today. My day job is killing me. Yeah, <laughs> um, I, I, I've said for a long time. I, I think that a lot of this kind of. Um, uh, movement that we see, uh, specifically within Christianity. Um, it, I mean, it very well could be happening in other religions as well, but this kind of reformation, uh, thing that we find ourselves in, um, I think has a lot to do with the advancement of technology and the fact that the internet exists now and information yes. is instantaneous. And I, and people like younger people who are starting to ask questions, have all these resources at their fingertips and can learn about other religions too. And it's, it's fascinating to see kind of this blending of, um, different traditions. Like, you know, we had a, um, uh, professor on who, uh, he has a great book out called, uh, I could not be Christian without Buddha or Buddhism or something Mm. along those lines. And it's just fascinating, uh, this look at kind of this blending of Christianity and, and obviously Buddhism. So, um, that's, that's so interesting. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. It's, it's wild. And then when you, when you have these beliefs that feel, you know, they feel and they are fringe and you can find people who believe the same things online. And then suddenly you have this community and it makes all the difference in the world, all the difference. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So that's interesting. I, I, your backstory, uh, I think there, there are definitely parts of it that a lot of people listening can identify with. So you, you grew up in this religious household, uh, but after kind of thinking about it, didn't really connect with that tradition. And then you find this new tradition through Judaism, through your husband. And then uh, so often, you know, our religious lives are so intertwined with 
you know, our, who we are as a person that, you know, you go through this, you know, this traumatic event, you know, cause divorce, you know, is not generally speaking fun, <laughs> you know, right. I can speak right. from experience, uh, not, not fun times. It's not a picnic. No, yeah. no, not something I'd like to do again anyway. Um, no, no. But, you know, so often we see people start to go on uh, kind of a spiritual religious journey or, you know, if you want to call it deconstruction, sure. If, if not, we're not, we're not tied to the, to the name, even though it's the name <laughs> of our podcast. But like, so often it's, it's uh, preceded by some sort of traumatic event like that. And so yes, it's interesting to hear you say that, you know, upon going through this divorce that it kind of threw you into uh, kind of this religious journey again, where you're sort of like trying out different things and trying to figure out who you are apart from this Jewish wife. Yes. Yes. Apart from the Jewish mom, the Jewish wife, um, formerly, you know, quote unquote Christian child. Um, like who, what do I believe? And I tried pretty much a little bit of everything before kind of coming home in a sense to, to my roots, but in a very different way, in a way that I had never imagined in in a way that's still, it's still difficult sometimes, you know, a lot of the time, because, um, I have Jewish friends who don't believe, you know, in this, have the same beliefs that I have. And, um, some of them know about my beliefs, some of them don't, but some of them, you know, we've made the decision not to talk about it because <laughs> a lot of, a lot of Jewish people, like mainstream Jewish people find it very offensive. And I, I respect that, you know, I, I completely respect that. So, you know, we have to kind of walk this, walk this line so that we're being respectful of everyone, but true to ourselves at the same time. Yeah, that's that's so true, and it's such such an interesting part of the the beginning of your book. And by the way, I don't know if I mentioned the name of it at the at the top. I should do this so people go out and get it because it's it's terrific. It's called "Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens," um, and it it really is fantastic. I, I started digging into it, and I think I told you before oh. we started recording that you know uh, my ex wife and I, who who uh, have a great co parenting uh, relationship, had come over. Uh, we were going to sit down and do uh, the parent teacher conference over Zoom. And I was sharing this, your book with her and, um, and just some of the, the prayers that you have in here. And they're really written in such a cool way because it's almost like, almost like tapping into your journal. Cause these are more like, almost like letters to God. Like, yes, you know, so, so what, I guess let's start with what inspired you first of all, to write a book on, on prayer. <sighs> Oh my gosh. Well, it, it didn't make any sense. My, all the other books have been about parenting humor, um, that I, you know, parenting in, in different ways and, and humor was a big part of, of what I write and who I am. Um, and so I guess it's, it came from where I was in my spiritual journey and I was deciding what book to write next. And it was actually my, my agent who suggested, she said, well, you know, cause on Twitter I would talk about what I was learning and, and different, different, um, my, my, my faith journey and things like that. And she said, you know, people, I've noticed that when, when you write about that, people, they, they, they have, they bring their own stories to the table. It seems to connect with people. And, and she thought, have you ever thought about writing? First, she th- said, uh, like some kind of devotional. I, I said, I'm in no position to write any kind of devotional. I am a spiritual mess, you know, and I've just, I just reconnected with God, um, so to speak. And I've just started praying and I've not, well, cause in Judaism, I, I, I prayed, but they were, they were Hebrew prayers that, that, I'd memorized and they had specific, specific, um, 
kind of like there's a prayer for Friday night, Shabbat lighting candles, Friday um, over food or different kinds of food, um, prayers for different holidays. And then I would pray a little bit here and there, but it wasn't maybe like a, a laundry list. It wasn't about having a relationship there's a, with God or anything like that. So when I came back, um, when, you know, God like really just brought me out of my, my personal despair. Um, and I'm, and I was praying to him and talking to him and I, I was, I had already been writing letters in this journal to God. And the last thing I wanted to do was publish any of that. Um, but then when she brought that idea up, something just clicked and I knew it was the right thing. I just, I knew it was the right thing and I knew it was the next thing that I was supposed to do. And I was very afraid because I, I can be, I can share a lot. On, I do share a lot online, but this was my, you know, this is my spiritual life. This is the, the core of who I am. And then I just had the thought, you know, what if there's somebody in the dark where I was who, who doesn't know that there's a God who cares about them, who doesn't know that they're not alone, like I, like I was for so many years. And so I thought if, if this book could, my prayers, which are not fancy prayers, they're not the prayers of someone who, you know, knows anything and who has it all together, if they can just get the sense that it's okay to bring whoever they are, whoever they're, wherever they are to God, then it would be worth it. And so that's how the book came out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there, there are certainly parts of this book, um, that are, um, I, I don't, I don't want to say like darker, but like more uh, <laughs> vulnerable and, and just, and almost like, you know, um, sad, you know, and then there are parts that are very yeah. happy and comical and it's, it very much does read like we're getting to tap into your journal, but also like this stuff is like, you know, we, anybody can recognize, uh, themselves in, in some of these situations. Some of the questions that you're asking, uh, throughout your prayers, like very identifiable there. Are, I mean, I'm sure a lot of us over the last uh, year or two, um, have, have often like looked up to the sky. I'm like, like, God, why would you allow that to happen? You know, there, right. there's a lot of that in, in, in here for sure. Oh yeah. There's, I really, I wrote it from where I was. Um, and as I wrote, I was learning as I wrote, I, I was, I was learning about God. I was learning about, about his love and I was feeling his love and he was really healing me from a lot of the, the pain that I was going through. Um, and pains that I had gone through in the past that had never been healed. So it's, it's really where I was in the moment and they're all very real prayers. <laughs> yeah. There's, there, there are a couple in particular that just, that just really hit hard uh, for me. <clears throat> there's one uh, where you say, um, dear God, I decided not to believe in you. I was upset devastated, actually tired of feeling like I'm speaking into empty air, but that's not me. I can feel you almost all the time. I was tired of being in pain. You could have rescued me if you wanted to, but you didn't. That made me so sad and angry. So I renounced you in my soul and turned my back for three solid hours. Did you miss me? I'm still kind of mad me. And I thought, Oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> I think all of us at one point, you know, are just like, come on, man. Like, like <laughs> Like, I'm just sick and tired of like, you know, like getting the short end, you know, like what, when, you know, when's my time, as they say. <laughs> right. When am I going to win or when am I going to, you know, going to feel the sun on my face? I'm glad other people have felt that way because, you know, listen, you know, I'm never, I'm never really 
really sure what, what resonates with people, but that was a really strong feeling that, that I had and even still have some, in some areas of life, just kind of like when, you know, when, like I'm looking at other people, they seem to kind of be birthed into their, I don't know, into, out of different situations. And when you're waiting for God to help you with something, it can feel like he forgot and forgot you and lost your contact info or turned off your channel. Um, but he's still there. Yeah. <laughs> he's still there. Uh, he hasn't abandoned you. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I mean, there, there's so many that I connected with in here. Um, there's one, I don't want to, I don't want to read all these cause I want people to go out and get it, but <laughs> there's, there's another poem uh, or poem. I mean, it reads like a poem. Um, another <laughs> prayer where, you know, you, you make the comment and I thought, Oh, I mean, you say, I know something to the effect of, I, I know that you love me, but do you like me? Do you remember which yeah. one? Yeah. Yes. Yes. I can't, um, I don't know which page, but yes, because I, I did feel that way for a long time. Okay. Like I, I have the concept of this love. I feel this love, but you know, someone can love you and not like you. And if you felt that before, yes. <laughs> you know, you know what it feels like. And it's, it's really hurtful in a, and you don't feel safe in that when someone loves you, but it's like, you don't feel safe in that. You don't really feel secure because a part of you it, it, is, is unliked and unloved. Um, and so I wondered, you know, and I, I wondered, and now I'm at a place where, where I do know that he loves me and he likes me. He might not think everything that I do is for my best, but we're working on it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I feel that way a lot too. I'm like, whoops, sorry. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. I did it again. I mean, that that is really what it is to be human though, isn't it? I mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, one, of the, one of the quotes you have at the beginning of the book I wanted to come back to because I, I thought – I thought this was such a great way to start the book. Um, and it's at the end of where you're kind of talking about your spiritual journey, um, where you had kind of reached this place where, um, you, you felt like you needed Jesus, but you were still, um, maintaining like these Jewish traditions and, and customs. Um, and you say at the, you say at the end of this, this, uh, paragraph here, you say, my mind is at peace, not because I feel enveloped in the safety of a community or religion, but because I know him. Talk about that a little yes. bit. That was that, that's a heavy statement. Yeah. <laughs> yes, because when when I when I began to believe in in Yeshua and Jesus, um, we go on both here. It doesn't it doesn't matter. I'm not one of those people. But like when I began to believe, you know, that immediately put me on the outside of the Jewish community in a big way. Not not in a way that you know I couldn't walk in and I wouldn't be accepted. But it's just you know that your beliefs are now so different from the people that you're standing around, and you know that if maybe if they knew what you really thought, they would feel differently. Um, because I've I've never felt acceptance like I do in the Jewish community. I love I love even I my favorite community is Chabad. Chabad is. Um, very observant and they, they had their Chabad houses all over the world and they just do outreach and they're so loving and so kind and so accepting of, of any Jewish person, no matter their observance level. You can, you can have never lit in the Shabbat candle. You can not know any single prayer and they're going to come and help you and invite you into their home for, for Friday night dinners. And they've always been so loving and accepting to me and the kids and everything. And, and to know that, we're, we're not, you know, to know that we have that difference now and to, to feel 
on the outside, you know, because in Judaism, they're awaiting their Messiah. And me, I think he's come. So to have this big difference and then to feel they now see, okay, you're a Christian now. You're, you know, you're a Christian. And there's a big history with Jews and Christians where, you know, persecution, right. Jews have been persecuted a lot by Christians. So it's like I've taken up with, you know, with um, almost like the oppressors in some ways, depending on, on how that specific Jewish person feels. And that was very difficult for me. And my kids not, um, my oldest was the only one who went to, to Jewish day camp. So them, me not really wanting to, to put them in the position where they would have to deny their beliefs. So just feel, being an, an outsider and somewhere that was, is still, and will always be my heart, um, was very, very difficult. And, and I just remember this Bible verse that I came across, it said, um, it was talking about Jesus and saying, um, that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has nowhere to lay his head. And knowing that he understood that, knowing that he knows what it feels like to be on the outside, he knows what it's like to be rejected. And he knows, he knows what it's like to have the people who you grew up with, say you're not welcome here anymore. And even though I never, I never had the you're not welcome here anymore or anything like that is dramatic. Um, just knowing that he, he knows how that feels. It, it allows me to, to rest in him in a very, very real way to make, to make him my home. And he, and I wouldn't be able to do that if not for who he is. He's, he's not just a regular person yeah, yeah. <laughs> because you, you, it's, you know, making your home in a person is a very dangerous place. Anyone who's been through divorce knows that yeah, yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a risk. It's a risk. And, but with him, there's, there's no danger, um, to your soul. He's a safe place for your soul, a safe place for your heart. And he's always been that for me. Ever since I began to know him, he, he's been that and he's been so patient because it has taken me a while to warm up. <laughs> yeah. But it's this beautiful thing that you, it, it, it's very clear that you own this, you know, like if you had encountered, uh, another sort of like, li- you know, life event that, that caused some trauma, that it seems very clear to me that, that you would be able to sustain this version of your faith versus maybe when you're in your twenties yes. or even when you were a kid. Yeah. Oh, definitely. And it's not, it's, it's like not even nothing because of me. It's, it's because he's shown me so much love and he's been, my soft place when I have been prickly to put it <laughs> when I was just like, a, you know, like a feral alley cat yeah. who has just be, seen too much, been in too many fights, yeah. hasn't had good nutrition. You know, that cat that you don't go near cause that cat will rip you apart. Right. I've been that cat <laughs> and his love is the only kind of love that can domesticate that yeah. animal. God even loves the feral cat, right? He loves the feral cats. He yeah. like searches out the feral cats. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's so funny too, because, you know, like we've, we've kind of experienced, uh, at least in, in the United States, um, what, what I've kind of viewed and a lot of people honestly have kind of viewed as this, uh, we've kind of forgotten the basic, uh, tenants, you know, we've kind of forgotten the, the basic gist of, of the message of specifically the gospels, which is, uh, you know, doing a better job of taking care of the marginalized, the people on the, on the fringe, yes. you know, the immigrants who are trying to escape, you know, uh, 
wars and tragedy uh, for a better life. And it just kind of seems like we've lost our way a little bit in terms of that message. And we often forget that, yeah, God's love is big enough for everyone, including the frail cat, you know? It, it is. And you know, it's, it's wild because I, I, I teach this, um, bat mitzvah, bar mitzvah class for, for like, um, a few 11 year olds and, um, and, and we read every, every week we read the, the Torah portion. And the one we were reading on Sunday is for the, the upcoming week in, in Exodus, where God is saying to the people, you know, don't take advantage of the, of the foreigner among you, the, the widow, the orphan. It's basically saying, don't mess with margin, like vulnerable people because you can, you know, they don't have anyone to tell they're, they're vulnerable. So he, he acknowledges that, that one might want to do that because they could get away with it. But he's saying, don't do that. And it just struck me how, how much he cares for them. And even, even Jesus, when he would go and, and, and talk to people who, who had been considered broken beyond repair or, and tarnished or, or sick, he would take care of the people who, who were on the outside. He took care of them and God, God loves the feral cats so much. So <laughs> I, I really think, I really think we, we all, we all could stand to really get back to that more. And it, it should be a core part of our faith because it's a core part of, of the word of God. So, yeah. So maybe you just put that on a t-shirt, you know, God loves the feral cat. That's it. <laughs> I think so too. I would love that. Yes. That would, that's an opportunity just waiting right there. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, he man. does. He loves those feral, and there's so many of us. You know, when you've been burned in a religious situation, or you've just gone through so many things in life where you just don't even feel human, because you can go through some like really painful events. I, I've noticed they do strip you of your humanity in a way. Yeah. When you're in survival mode for for a long time and you're just surviving, you do feel a little bit less human, um, especially when you're dealing with poverty. But even it's just depression, anxiety, when you're just trying to get by, you're not able to, to, to live. And, and and it's amazing how, how God, his love can really just, and, and really his love through other people, people who remind you that you're human, when they ask you how you are, when they, when they make you a meal, when they send you a book, when they get you a coffee, those things, oh, I'm a person, I'm a person. And that can go such a long way towards saving someone's life. God gave me heart, but I never learned to use it. God gave me strength. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. all alone just to abuse it. 
quiver of a lamp in your second cigarette It's been a little while, I remember how to use it yeah. Really? Oh, that's so true. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's kind of like that saying goes, you never know what uh, battles or wars someone else is fighting. You know, and I think yes. as someone who, who else, you know, who, who struggles with depression, uh, you know, it's I, everybody's everybody tells me like, you seem like you're always in a great mood. I'm like, trust me, I am not, <laughs> you know, yeah. yeah, I know <laughs> I might present myself like I am, but I'm, you know, and, and it's just like those, those little gestures are the things that make such a huge difference. Oh, they're huge. They're so huge. I had someone just send me, uh, what was like a $10 Starbucks card. And it was just the nicest. Uh, I was just, I mean, it made my whole month made my whole, just, just someone seeing you. And I, I think it's because people, you know, people with depression, especially this like high functioning depression, yeah. Yeah. we do hide it really well. And we, we often comfort other people. And I, so I think it's easy for people who don't know us well, who aren't like the closest, closest to us just think, Oh yeah, they're, they're fine. So when someone really does see us, it just, I mean, we just melt. Yes. <laughs> Like, wow. Oh, that's so true. <laughs> oh my God. I matter. Like I, I mat like I matter to, to another person. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Uh, the, the one we soak it up. Yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like, yeah, we live on it for, for years. Oh. I can live on like something kind like that for years. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the other thing I, I really like about your story too, though, is that it, it would have been very easy because I think a lot of folks who go through more like of a, a traumatic religious uh, experience, um, yes. it's really easy to stay in that place of anger and resentment and bitterness. Um, it, oh yeah. It's easy to stay there, but it's not, I try to tell people it's not a healthy place to stay though. Um, at no. some point you have to, you have to move forward, you know? Yeah. You, you really do because the thing about that place is that it's equating people and institutions with God. And at the end of the day, you're che- like, we're, you're cheating yourself. Cause I cheated myself out of, out of a lot of great experiences and even people who were, cause you know, when you have a mix of people who are, are hurtful to you and then a few people who are good to you, you start to develop this lens of like, okay, all of them are like this. All the Christians are like this. And then you kind of gloss over the people who are, are, are being good to you. But the, at the end of the day, people are people. So it doesn't matter what faith you're in. People will hurt you because they're human. They'll disappoint you because you're human. And yes, institutions sometimes do it. And, and it hurts a lot when it's, when it's a religious, when it's a church, I mean, those wounds go, go deep, but I think allowing yourself to heal and, and asking God for help to heal because he's not, he's not so small that he, he belongs to any one church. You know, people hurt you. Yes, they hurt you. And yes, they can be wrong, but ask God how to heal and, and find some people who, who are more experienced and ask them for help too. Cause you don't, you really don't want to stay there. It's such a painful place to live. Uh, it's a hard place to live. I think that's so important for people to hear. I think, you know, there's, as I see more and, and more, um, 
uh, voices in the conversation, which I think is, by the way, a good thing. You know, a lot more people are coming yes. out and admitting like, hey, you know, hey, I've had some doubts uh, when it comes to my faith and I'm, I'm starting to really kind of dig into it um, and, and invest in it. Um, I think it's a great thing, but I also think that it's, there, the, the danger of it is that there is that potential to to kind of stay in that kind of bitter, angry place. Yeah. And as you said, I think I think the key I think the key to pushing forward is is understanding that you know it's not God and it's not necessarily even quote the church that that right. necessarily did the hurting. It's the people who are representing the institution. Yes. And once you can yes. kind of separate those two things, I think that that is a huge. Um, you know, start. Yes, you've got to separate them because, or else, I think you, I think you, you miss out not just on, on, on relationships, friendships, fellowship, but, but your own spiritual journey. It's almost like they, they've, they continue to whoever hurt you is continuing to hurt you long after they're not even in front of you anymore. If you, you know how pearls, they, they kind of, I think there's like some kind of sand or something and they wrap themselves around it and then they become this jewel. It's almost the opposite of that. You wrap yourself around this bitterness and, and try to insulate yourself around it or, or make a, a personality or persona like I did. And it's just, it's not the real you there. There's something else that, that you could be, but forgiving and letting go of that is, is not something that I could have ever done on my own. You actually, I, I just, you need God for it. It's, it's not, it's not something. And I wrote about that forgiveness. It's, it's so difficult when it comes from a spiritual place and, and I needed him for that. And he helped me so much. <laughs> I couldn't do it by myself. Yeah. I don't think we're meant to always be able to forgive on our own. I don't think that we're strong enough. That's so, God, that's so true. And it's funny that, that you reference that prayer because that's one of the other ones I had marked, but, um, but yeah, I could not agree more. I think, yeah, I think oftentimes, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and I was just talking about the idea of, um, grace and and forgiveness and how, you know, from a human perspective, everything that, that we do, you know, is, is, has limitations, you know? And so when we're talking about God, the divine, you know, this this being that does not have limitations, it's almost yes. impossible for our brains to even, you know, like conceive of that. You know, this idea of yes. infinite grace, infinite love. You know, <laughs> yes. I have to admit, like I'm like, look, mine is very limited. I, I'll tell you right uh, now. Yeah, me too. Anybody lays a hand on my daughter, that it's over. That no, you know, you're dead. Yeah, you have to die. Right. That's just how it is. Even now, I feel the same way. I I'm. Look, if jail is my destiny, jail is my destiny. <laughs> exactly. Like, oh, I know how you feel. Even with the kids sometimes, you know, I'm a different parent after eight than I am before eight. So everyone's like, oh, your kids go to bed so early. Yeah, they go in bed at around 7.30 because I'm tired. Right. And I'm all, I'm all done with my patience and grace. So I, I, know, I know they need to go to bed at a certain time. So, so that I don't scar them for life. No, I don't want to yell and, and scream. I don't want to do any of that. So I right. put them to bed while I still have the energy to do it kindly and gently. Right. Yes. And, and God is so different from that. God just has so much patience. And once you felt it, once you felt his patience for you and how he, he saw you at your worst and still loved you, it's, you, you love him even more for that. Uh, it's, it's, it's nuts. It's wild. His love is really, I mean, his love is, is, 
if we had that kind of love, people would intervene because yes. they'd just be like, you can't, you can't walk around like this. Like yeah. let them go. They'd be like, you need to let those humans go. Those humans are toxic. Those humans are, you know, yeah. they're, they're, they don't love you. They don't love you. Uh. <laughs> people would just be like counseling us, yeah. but God just keeps coming back for us. We leave, you know, we do the whole Hosea story. We leave and like, look for other things. And then we come back to him. We're like, yeah, about that. So, sorry and he's like could just come back just come back i his love is just like it's unbelievable yeah you, you can't not love him you can't not love him for how he loves us so funny too because it 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 makes me think that uh so much of our um just lack of understanding about just how truly endless uh god's love is informs everything else that we think we know about god and yes. and, and all the details that surround you know god yes uh, it, it's it's not it's like once you've once you've felt that love and experienced it 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 really does change everything it does i then that's what i, I just that's what I want for people. I just want them to know because we hear so much about God and so much about Jesus to the point where even sometimes saying that name Jesus still kind of does something a little bit. And I know there's, you know, just, I don't know, you know, just something, sometimes just the way it was used or the people that used it and people, you know, you'll think, okay, anything but that. But when you really know what he's about, when you really see how he, he saved people. He rescued people. The Samaritan woman at the well, nobody would talk to her. She had such a bad reputation and he chooses her first to reveal himself. And, and the woman they wanted to stone and he says, no, you're not going to, you know, like, yeah. Okay. Okay. So the, the one who hasn't sinned do it, you know, it's just the way he was with people, how he fed them and he fed them with food before he would speak to them. Sometimes he understood that they needed food first He's just so kind. He's so kind. He's so loving. He's not at all what 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 some people have made him to be. He's not like that. Yeah, that's that's funny that you you mentioned that that you know for a lot of people a lot of this you know the kind of Christianese as we call it yeah this, you know but basically in a broader sense like religious lingo um, has so much baggage behind it sometimes that yes pe- it immediately turns people off and I it, you made me think of. Adam, uh, who used to uh, host this podcast with me, remember we were having a conversation with a good friend of ours, and our friend was just very scarred from his his religious experience. And and uh, mm. Adam said the the most profound thing. Uh, he looked at him and said, "You know what? If you can't if you if you can't quite say go there and say say God, just say universe. You know, just talk to the universe. Right. And like so, maybe maybe just by removing that title." Um, maybe that's, that's the way that you start to heal and ease back into it. And and then that's okay. You know? Yeah. I I agree because I, when I look at my journey back, I had to go through a lot of things. I had to, I had to, I went through that kind of, you know, the time when I could only say universe, I went through that. Yeah. I went through that and, and 
I went through, well, I did everything. I'm the kind of person who has to touch fire to know it's hot. And so I did everything. <laughs> and then it took feeling his love. And that comes when it, it, that comes when it comes. But if you're, if you, if you want, if you want to know him, if you, and I know even, even saying he and him is hard for some people, depending on what you've been through. If you've been through things where you've been hurt by men or, and, or, or hurt by kind of, toxic masculinity you know how they talk about like men who just just these things if you've been hurt and some people might laugh at that but if you've been a woman woman in some situations thinking about an all-powerful god who is a him can be really scary so people start from a lot of different places and i think as a body of believers I think we just have to lead with, with love and understanding. And he, he said, Jesus said, they'll know you by, by your love. Yes. You know, not to say we, we don't have our, our, the, our theology, our things we believe. We have those too. But he, he didn't say they'll know you by your theology. He didn't say they'll right. know you by your facts or by your buildings. He said they'll know you by your love. So Amen. we got to try. <laughs> <laughs> It's funny, I, I quoted recently, there's a, I was born and raised, um, you'll say Lutheran, and um, yeah. one of my favorite hymns is literally, they will know we are Christians by our love, by our love, they will know we are Christians by our love. Mm. And I'm like, man, because somebody asked me to sum up like what it was to, to be born and raised that that particular brand of, of Lutheran, and I'm like, that's kind of it, you know? <laughs> was that it? Yeah. Like, oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, I'm like, that's kind of, I mean, you know, it, it was, I was explaining to somebody else the other night, I said, you know, it, there was the whole idea of, you know, hell and stuff like that in the background, right. but it was never at the forefront. It was never this fire and brimstone kind of thing. It was very much this message of love. And, um, and, and so that's why, you know, it, I was talking to my friend, uh, Dan, the other night he's been on the podcast. We were talking about the fact that we had two very different, uh, experiences with it. You know, mine was very untraumatic. And so when I started to question my beliefs, it was very much just academic. You know, I was just, just curious. And so that kind of snowballed from there. And for him, it was, he had this very different um, experience, you know, where it was fire and brimstone. If you don't do X, Y, and Z, if you don't get your beliefs right, then you're going to burn in hell for eternity, you know? And I'm like, that obviously <laughs> will cause panic disorder, you know, pa- you know, panic issues, you know? So, absolutely, yeah. And I'm like, wow, that was definitely different than mine. I definitely did not have that experience. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, I mean, like you can have your theology, you can have your, I think you can have your, your hard lines, you can have your behavioral standards, but it's, it's almost like in a house with kids. Yeah, we have our rules here, but this home feels loving. Like this is a loving home. Everything, even our, the rules, the reason we have rules it's it's because I love them and I want them to be safe and I want them to, to, to get their schooling done because they need to know things. And I want them to, you know, we eat this before this because I care about your body. So if, if love is at the center of all of these things, um, it feels very, very different than, than when fear is or when control is. That's so true. And it's, and it's funny. I mean, my background is, um, history, political science. Um, and, and so, one of the things I always look at, 
that I think is a great comparison is when we look at like dictatorships, like yes. this rule by fear, like what happens yes. in every dictatorship ever? Fear is not a great sustainable way of getting no. people to uh, align in a certain way, because as soon as they have an opportunity, they are overthrowing <laughs> you, <laughs> you know, yes. that's not a change of heart. We, we, that's a change of behavior and it's temporary, you know? Exactly. Exactly. And I think, I think as, as body believers, we have to, we have to remember that. Yeah. We have to. Can't we can't just try to control people and try to scare people into God because God's not fear. Yeah. It's not it's not who he is. <laughs> Gosh. I, I keep seeing an uh and the, the scary, horrific world of dating apps, uh, people looking for a, a God fearing man. I'm like, why do I have to fear him? Like, can I love him instead? I literally said that to someone once. I'm like, I'm not God fearing. I'm God loving. Is that okay? Is that close enough? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I know what we're getting into, you know? I'm too scared to even try that. I, c- I couldn't do it. I, I can't. It's, oh my gosh. Like, it's like an app. I'm too so scared. Like I'm oh, terrified. It is. It is a, a collection of a very, um, how to put this nicely, people that should not be dating. <laughs> like that's, <laughs> it's like people who are dating who should not be dating. That's pretty much every dating app ever. There's a few people oh, out there who are, you know, have it together and have done the work to fix whatever baggage they come with, but not many. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm talking to you this really well. So yes. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, so I know we're, I know we're running short on time here, but what's, uh, the, the last question I have for you is just, you know, this, again, this is just a beautiful book. It's, it's got parts, Thank you. you've got prayers in there that are, are, are heartwarming. You've got prayers in there that are really funny. I like the one about, uh, thanking God for coffee. I concur. Um, <laughs> But, and you've you. got some there that are straight up laments, you know, they're like, like, uh, Job crying out to God, like modern day laments. It's just, it's beautiful. Yeah. I can't recommend it enough. Last question mm. for you is, uh, what do you hope that people, uh, take away from, from this book? Mm, I, I hope that people, and thank you so much for all those kind words. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Um, I hope that people take away that, God can handle it. Um, he can handle you. He can handle your past pain, scars, secret shames, um, your emotions, your anger at him, um, your disappointment, your secret tears. He not only can he handle that, not only is, is it okay for you to come to him with all of that. He wants you to bring that to him. Um, He's not a sadist who, who has you hurt for, you know, you're just not hurting for hurting's sake. Um, he takes no joy in what you're going through and he wants to help you. He actually does want to help you and help you heal and just take your problems to him. Ask him if you want to know who he is, ask him to reveal himself to you and he will. If you really want to, if you want to know him, Sometimes even when you don't want to know him, he'll reveal himself to you. <laughs> so true. <laughs> and his love for you. He'll reveal his love because that's 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 what he's got going on. He's got he's has he has a lot of love. Not and not love like, you know, like the world where it can change or go away or you know, humans are human, but his love it's it stays. Mm. It stays the same. So good. Thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. This is, yeah, such a great conversation. Um, people go out and get it. Um, again, it's called Dear God, Honest Prayers to a God Who Listens. Um, I can't recommend it enough. I've been uh, 
recommending out to all my friends and in, in, in my oh. circle. Um, it's re- really, really, uh, I think, uh, timely and uh, just a beautiful, beautiful book. So thank you so much. Thank you. Absolutely. I'm like, that means that means so much to hear. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're absolutely you're absolutely welcome. And um, where can people stay on top of what you're up to and and follow your work? Um, well, because I'm in my late thirties, I use Facebook. I, my kids are always like, ew, they use Facebook. You're old. I'm just like, well, I'm like, I like it. Um, so I have a Facebook page. It's Boomy Laddington. And I do have Instagram too. Instagram is still called Honest Toddler, but Boomy Laddington is on there too. Um, but it's the, it's the Honest Toddler one that I, that I use. So, um, yes. Very good. <laughs> Well, people go there. We'll have we'll post all the links in the show notes as well, uh, so you can you can follow. And uh, yeah, thank you so much again for for coming on. This is a really fun conversation. Thank you for having me. I've enjoyed it very much.
Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun? Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.